0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Yerushalayim and on, uh, we're on Zoom also with Asian Torah Live and I'm welcoming anyone who'd like to get on the Zoom chat with us. Um, please do and turn on your camera, otherwise you can watch it without us seeing you. Um, but it makes a big difference. Like for example, right now I have two people on the chat which is great, um, So, I'll, but I'll be speaking directly to them. So if you can add your face to the chat, no one's gonna see on there except the people on the chat, which are two, so far two men named David, one in Florida and one in the spot. Hashem. Uh, thank you for joining, Cynthia, and for joining as well, Asher, and Sarla, thank you for picking up. Okay, so right now it's just us, guys, um, and hopefully more people will join the camera um, option. Because I'm telling you, the classes are really different if someone's on them. Um, Facebook, I apologize, and Torney time if I'm looking down a little bit more than usual. Um, it's because the uh, I'm looking at these people. So I, you know, because it's hard to pretend there's actual people when you're staring at a lens. Uh, David, if you can have less backlight, I'd see you better. By the way. Ooh, that's nasty.
1: How do we can sweeten use this like stuff? One, you know what? You can
0: you can mix in a little uh, brown sugar, I mean. brown sugar in there. Okay, gang. So here we are, day number five million um, of this of this uh, coronavirus. Amazingly uh, long. And uh, David, oh my gosh, we have to speak. I'm sorry, uh, David. I'm, after this, I'm going to pray mincha and call me right after that. So the um, anyway the. You know, it, it just seems to be taking forever. Just to give you an update, those who are not in Jerusalem, um, they're planning on tightening things down a lot starting tonight. Um, hopefully, we can still go out to exercise, because I did not go mountain biking today, and I'm planning to go tomorrow, but but the uh, anyway, the not congregating, <clears throat> I think they're shutting down minions now. We've been allowed 10 per synagogue, well-ventilated synagogue, but... It could be that's getting shut down. I haven't really looked at the update, and uh, and whatever uh, we feel it tightening. You know, it's it's getting tighter, but at the same time, you know, we're you know we're we're, we're Jews. You know, Torah Jews, and and uh, being Torah Jews means that this is you know meaningful and it's deep and it's full of messages, and and mm-hmm. of course no no one knows exactly what the messages are. You know, I've sent several messages that are pretty powerful um, that are obvious ones but you know I'm not ai don't know exactly what God wants and what this is all about but I'll tell you this much the more you understand the more you thank you very much let's try this tea Ooh, much better um, careful of the tea well, the more the more we understand of this vis-a-vis our amuna Amuna sashem. You know, the more we understand of it the the more relaxed we're going to be inside. Just a couple of things that people should note, um, just to know going forward is uh, a couple of amazing things. One is that my, um, I have a membership club on my website on uh, ravionto.com. There's a membership club. I'd really appreciate it if you'd be a member. If you like what I say and you want to support what I do, so, uh, so please join that membership club. Um, it's uh, ongoing, you know, small, just small amounts, kind of a set and forget, something you wouldn't notice. Um, that's the membership club. Another thing going forward is uh, is that I'm having a general class to the public starting next week. Um, that's going to start every day at 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern, and that's going to be um, it's going to be on how to create peace in the chaos, how to create um, how to stay in um, keep yourself put together during the uh, this crisis. Um, we're going to be going through a unique book. Um, where did that book go? Uh, can you hand me that orange book there? It's called... Uh, um, it's a best-selling book from a best-selling author. It's just had a huge influence. Before. I know it's reversed for the people on Zoom, but it's called, uh, it's called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. If you have the book, that'd be great for you. If you don't, it's not a big deal. Um, you don't have to have the book in front of you. But, uh, but I'm going to be teaching through the key aspects of that book that, that promote peace inside, internal peace. Um, for you. And we're going to start with a trial of five days. That's going to be every day, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And uh, memberships. People who are members of the Rabbi Yom Tov members on my website will get it for free. Otherwise, it's 18 bucks a class for that. And it's uh, and it's $50 for all five. No, it's not. Do we say 18 or 15 money? How much is that going to me? It's. $15. $15. and uh, for the f- first five days each day. Otherwise, it is um, going to be uh, $50 for the, for the week. And the last thing is for possibly graduates, whoever's listening that's possibly graduate, I'm doing something I haven't done in a very long time, and this is what i got to speak to Bars about, who's on our Zoom, I love it, um, is reviewing the uh, possibly for graduates. I'm doing a, t- a 10-hour review. Um, that to refresh and with a specific focus for all the graduates of how to create possibilities in the, in, in the eye of the hurricane of this crisis. So possibly graduates have kind of a one-up on people um, in that they, they have a system that I've taught them of how to, how to generate powerfully from within, when especially in times when what's going on outside of you is not going so hot. So I'm going to be running a seminar on that starting this coming week. That's for graduates only. Details are on... Uh, on uh, the, they'll be going up today on uh, rabbayomtov.com. Okay, let's begin today's class. Um, we, uh, yesterday we did the first of the Semanim. That was Kadesh. We did a whole class on Kadusha on and Kadesh. And, uh, and then the, the next is, is today's Siman. Maybe we'll do more than that for today. Is Urchaz. Urchatz uh, is the word. Rachatz is to to wash the hands, and that's the second part of the of the seder of Pesach. And uh, um, the the so urchatz, which means to wash the hands, is is kind of a you know it's a funny part of the seder in that everyone's going to get up and go wash their hands. What seems to be for no apparent reason, we don't make a blessing over the washing. Um, we're not going to be making hamotzi. On the matzah yet, we're literally just washing our hands and coming back to sit. The classic commentaries say that the, um, that ticking is not going to be good for this recording, so maybe do it in the hall or in the kitchen. Kitchen's more airy, I think. The, the classic, we, we bought a step, uh, you know, one of those step exercise things. So, just because uh, if they're really going to lock us in totally uh, tonight in Jerusalem, so... So we're uh, about a stepmaster, like one of these mini kind of, you know, the poor man's version um, stepmaster. Anyway, the 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 commentaries generally say that the point of all this is that the kids should ask questions. Now, there's something funny about kids asking questions. Is if you send your kids to a Torah education every day, they, which you know most people keeping the full halachah say or do anyway. Your te- the teachers don't know what to say to the kids, so what do they do? They teach them the Seder. So now your kid's not asking any questions, because they already know everything. Which is really funny, because they've, they've completely uh, gotten rid of any question asking, because they've been taught all the questions. Every father knows what I'm talking about. When it comes to you know like noticing your kid aren't, aren't, kids aren't asking the question. You know, they, they should somehow let all the educators in the world know, please don't teach our kids the Seder. You must have something else to tell them. I mean, what are you telling them all year? Like you don't have to teach them the whole Seder you know, in, the, in the weeks up to Pesach. Maybe this year, because the kids don't have school, there'll be more questions. Anyway, so, so that's why the washing's a little out of order. Uh, here's another one that's very powerful that I've seen in the commentaries, is that normally we purify, and then we get the Kedusha. Think about it. Now it's Kaddish Urchatzl. Kaddish—that's—that's that's God sanctifying us. Ultimately, we're sanctifying the day in Kiddush. But, but like Kaddish, like can you really do that? That's coming to come. That's down. Kaddish. There's a big thing in um, Kab- Kabbalistic terms in general of up, down, and down, up. So, like for for example, Shabbos is up, down. It's coming from God every seventh day. You know, it's on the, it's on the solar cycle of seven days counts, and it's just. It's up, down, every Sabbath. And um, uh, speaking, I, I, and then whereas Yom and Toivim come from us with witnesses seeing the new moon, and then the holidays are put in effect as a result of the rabbis who have been given this, this um, responsibility, and that's down, up. And so a holiday is down, up. That's why, for example, if it's a holiday, we'll say, Baruch HaTah in the Shemones, or in Kiddush, Mekadesh Yisrael, and then He sanctifies us, and then the day, the Yom HaKippurim, Yom HaZikaron, or us in Yom HaKippurim, Mekadesh Yisrael. That's a very cool thing, Uzer, uh, that uh, that uh, you can put a backdrop like that. <laughs> Someone's got the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. Maybe that's a Brooklyn Bridge. So very cool. Um Mekadesh Israel tonight's gonna to be Rosh Chodesh so Roshe Or now if it's Shabbos, notice it's, we always say Mekadesh HaShabbos, because blessed are you, God, who up down sanctifies the Sabbath. That's from God every week. Doesn't require any court saying this today is the new moon with the witnesses who saw it. Okay? Now if it's Shabbos and a holiday, so then it's Mekadesh Hashabbat. He he um, sanctifies Shabbos up down, Yisrael, v'Yom and Yisrael Israel and the day of remembrance Rosh Hashanah. Understand down up. So in the same bracha we'll start with Shabbos and then Yisrael us down below and then up. Phew! So so the so here we got Kaddish and then Urchaz. Kaddish Urchaz. Here we have up down. And then Urkotz is down up, but what's the issue? The issue is that in general, if you wanna sanctify yourself with something, if you wanna wanna get close to God, you know what you gotta do? You gotta wash. You gotta wash. What does that mean you gotta wash? You gotta wash a lot of different things. I don't know what you gotta wash, you know? You might have to wash your mouth out, having just eat a shrimp or something. You know, you might have to wash, you know, by the way, eating not kosher, uh, according to the Kabbalist says it takes away the the Tzilim of God, which is the image of God, and I'm not going into what that means exactly. It's a Kabbalistic thing, but it takes the image of God off of you for a month, for 30 days. It says that Kabbalistically. So there's another wash. As I might need a 30-day washout from having eaten something not kosher, um, which could include milk and meat, by the way, by accident or something. Uh, another wash would be my brain get a wash. Uh, I don't mean brainwash, yeah. but but literally brainwashed, meaning, meaning, uh, having loosely clicked on the internet might cause someone to need serious washing. and uh, that'd be a wash and that's not easy to wash by the way, because you know, thoughts like good, where's the exit sign on getting rid of thoughts, you know? So our, our imaginations are, are crazy nuts and, and, uh. You want you want to protect your real estate, you know? The Judaism sees the brain as, as mental real estate. And just like, you know, like, let's say um, Ephraim, who's not in his screen, but I hope he's listening. Let's say Ephraim wanted... Hi, Ephraim. You playing basketball out there? Anyway, Ephraim... Oh, I don't know what he's doing. Show me that again. Oh, you're barbecuing? Nice, nice. I don't know what he's doing. He's clean. cleaning. up cleaning. Yeah, yeah. Nice enough. So... Uh, let's say Ephraim owned like three parcels of land and one of them he drives by like once a week, you know, because he goes into the tent city on weekends. weekends. Drives by the parcel land, he finds a bunch of people squatting on it. <laughs> he goes over and they're like, Hi, holy oh hippies, what are you doing on my land? And and they're like, this is our land. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, come around the corner. They go around the corner where you can't see it from the highway. They've been there for three years and he didn't know it. Yeah, So uh, Ephraim... Are you going to let these guys squat on your land that you're about to sell in a week? You know, and they're actually going for legal rights. The answer is, hell no. You're not, you're not going to let them do that. And um, I might let them do that. <laughs> you're not going to let them do that. So, so, the, uh, so what happens is, um, is that we have mental real estate. And we don't allow squatters. But, like, it's, but what I'm saying right now is what you call un-American. Like, according to American, like, media, you're supposed to just let everything hit you. Like, you're supposed to be like, let it all in, man. Like, you know, let this in, let that in. Watch a movie, you know. They they should give, a, a go, someone who goes to a film, they should really pause the film and say, um, this next scene will be violent, so maybe you want to go get some popcorn. <laughs> it's like, I'll go for the popcorn to not watch violence, because, like, I'm, I was planning on praying after this movie because it's going to be the afternoon service. And having watched a bunch of violence and going straight into prayer is not going to be so good for me. Or The next the next one's going to be uh, explicit. I think I'll go uh-huh. get some popcorn for that. Uh, the next scene's going to have a lot of swearing. Hmm. Gee. You know, like the, the mouth, which was like... The, the, one of the few things that we cannot explain in, in human life is the formation of words. Like... How do you do that? You know, like think about it. Just you listening to me right now requires massive calculations of mathematics inside your neurons, which are collecting vibrations of what I'm saying right now. Massive, like like calculations. You need a supercomputer to calculate what I'm saying right now. You're doing it in real time, but here's the crazy thing. I'm I'm saying it. Like, how am I saying this stuff? Like i and those who know me well know I'm not good at math. You know, math is not my strong suit you know and <laughs> david knows that so so you know math's just not my strong suit and and here i am sending out like massive calculations uh, through my mouth so the mouth, this speech we've got it only i'll tell you where it comes from it comes from someone who had a soul blown up their nostril that's what happens when a soul's blown into your nostrils you create speech you know and it's an amazing thing by the way that speech you know, there, there may have been Homo sapiens earlier. If you notice throughout the Genesis story, everything gets created. You know, let there be this. Let, there it is. Poof. Let there be that. Poof. Let there be this. Poof. Let there be that. Poof. But when it comes to human beings, it says that God's going to form man. Okay, poof. And don't forget, there's no real sense of time yet because man's not with a soul yet. So who knows if that's not Homo sapiens. By the way, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just saying that it reads like this. Later in the Torah, it says that God blew a nishmas chayim a living soul, into this, this hunk of flesh called, perhaps, homo sapien. So it's a separate creation. And then it says, yom Hashishim," emphatically, the sixth day, meaning now we're counting from man's perspective, not from the edge of the universe where time goes. You know, where, where a day could be three billion years you know, if you know the theory of relativity, but now we're going from human perspective, from the human uh, uh, perspective of of Adam, who was this male-female thing with a living soul. Once that living soul hits, now there's language. You'll notice immediately he's naming things. Oh, naming things? Whoever thought of naming things? Why would I name something? The answer is, well, once I have speech, so so I want to encapsulate that which I encounter with names, whether it's conceptual names, like... uh, Scary, that's a concept, or safe, you know, that's a conceptual. Uh, my community, I'm actually missing it right yes. now. My entire community from their homes. Um, uh, ten men in Shul, ten men in the other room, ten men in the other I'm room. Blowing chauffeur. Oh, they're blowing chauffeur now? Mm-hmm. Give me my chauffeur. Oh my gosh, can you get up there? Give me my chauffeur, please. We got the same championship i got my show far. i don't do anything small here Let me know next time it blows, open the front door, we'll hear better maybe. Okay. I'm just gonna give a chauffeur blast since it's out. Do I have to rub the mouthpiece with alcohol? I think it's no, closed. You don't. It's we it. cleaned it with alcohol And we started before. When cooking. last time? When that guy came? That guy came, freaked out, and grabbed it, and I put it in an ambulance. Yeah. Some guy grabbed this walked in our house, grabbed the oh. shofar, and started walking around my courtyard with this giant shofar. So I come back in the house, he tells me that he's the he's the Mashiach. And that and that he's um, he hes the, the Messiah sofa. and he needs the shofar. What are we saying? It wasn't a lot longer after that that I put him in an ambulance. This, we don't start from here. Change colors. Hopefully his underwear didn't. And the and we're we're going to. Uh, it might be I'll stand up and play the uh, and blow the chauffeur and say the Thirteen Attributes of Mercy as this class goes on. Uh, I need a teeny bit of water for my fingers because his shoe touched my hand. We're not allowed to do terror or blessings with, uh, in that situation. Mike Kim, are you my Kim? Cam- Thank you, sweetheart. Um, yeah, where are we holding? Um, someone remind me what I was talking about. Anyone here on the chat can remind me what I was talking about. Uh, I don't mean a broad subject. I mean, what was I exactly talking about before all that happened? Everyone, watch quiet, please. Uh, one sec. I don't know. What, I don't know what they're saying. I probably should be focusing on you guys and not the prayer group upstairs. They're blowing their shelter. are blowing again? I shouldn't blow. Adoi noi, adoi noi, el-orachum v'achonum, el-chopayim v'achhesh v'emes, n'etzir chesel, l'alafim n'asavu, m'feshuv v'achat v'anaki. So I'm just going to say that with them when they blow. I'm not going to keep blowing their shelter. Now, um, um, I do need a bit of a reminder where I was holding um, oh did someone send in the chat David you got where was where that um, no, no one there uh, can, When do yeah, you I remind me I'm you. what you uh-huh. um, <laughs> don't want to help me we're talking about oral class, and we're talking about um, Kedusha that God sanctifies us here. Um, oh, naming things. Yeah, speech. Sorry, I'm on a yeah I'm on a digression. That's why I forgot what I was talking about. The so we've got our ability as soon as the nostril gets gets the the soul the living soul. So then comes speech, and uh, and when it comes uh, to speech, you know historically. Was there was there signs in the thousands of years prior to our civilization, meaning you know, our time, our last six thousand years, was there speech before that? Can we prove there was speech? I mean that's an interesting question. Meaning, for example, primates. Primates some primates use tools, so finding tools isn't necessarily that exciting. Homo sapiens, I would imagine, were much more advanced than primates without living souls and would probably have more advanced tools. So you wanna hear something weird? I was thinking that 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 people with souls like to build stuff. Meaning engineering. Engineering. When you get a soul and now you've got this cognitive thing going on and and you're you're able to like think objectively and, and c co- you like your cognition's totally different when you have when you, there's something called an awareness, but when you have an awareness of an awareness, and you're aware of your awareness magical things start happening to you cognitively and the and so I was thinking engineering would be an obvious one why because any more than one story dwelling you know once you have a more than one story dwelling I could see a homo sapiens maybe building a dwelling but once you're go- like engineering something that's like bigger than that or two stories or whatever uh, you know wouldn't that be interesting so check this out I was sitting with the I was on an L.L. flight, sitting next to the head of of. Uh, they're doing it on the phone. Sitting with the head of um, Miriam, can you close all these windows for me? Sitting with the head of uh, of anthro, not anthropology, but uh, paleontology, which is the study of the you know the history of the links from algae to fish to amphibians to fowl to animals, it's actually exactly the Genesis story if you think about it, anyone ever learned the theory of evolution, it's like there's this window too, it goes exactly according to the um, evolutionary story that we were taught in school when we were kids, so which is kind of a thing that it's like that And, and also it's quite clear that a day is not a day also because the sun's on the fourth day, so you know you've already called out day one, day two, day three so what in the world's a day if there ain't no sun because normally the earth spins on its axis every 24 hours, but that's cute. It only means something, because it's vis-a-vis the sun, and that's what creates a day. But So obviously, at the beginning of Genesis' story, a day is not a day. And, and towards, I meaning it's not a day the way we'd count it. Until you'd have... And, um... Okay, so where are we holding? Um... There goes the chauffeur again. Just hold on, I'm just going to say the Shemashem after the shofar. Adonai, Adonai, noy, a doy noy, el rafum baconu, el papang doth us the same as, not self as a lord of him, no self of a crazy, I'm doing this, like, this is my community, like, I live, I live in this community forever, like, 25 years, for me not to be at this thing is crazy, but my, like, everyone's doing it from their houses, meaning, but you can hear it blasting out of the shul, so everyone's hearing it and praying the shul has three rooms, ten men in each room, separated at a, about a six foot distance, um, and apparently uh, they're, they're going to stop us from congregating as of tonight. Um, not that I've been doing a lot of congregating, my goodness. Um, so I'm sitting next to the, this paleontologist, which is again is the study of the history of evolution. And, and she's next to me on the plane, and I was thinking, you know, I'm, I sleep a lot on the plane, so I want to think, what's the one question I want to hear from her that I'll fall asleep during the answer? So... And so I said, I got the question. The question is, um, does she, according to her knowledge, and she's the head of the department of, of paleontology in, uh, in Hebrew University, I said, uh, to your knowledge, uh, were there ever, was there ever, a st- is there a structure on this earth, a structure that shows clear engineering, which means you know, two stories or more, or, or it's some other feat of engineering. That's not just simply, you know, a creation of, of shelter that would have been any Homo sapien. I said, is there a structure, you know, that would require complex engineering um, that is older than six thousand years? And she just goes silent for a while. She, I think she was thinking. She was like covering the globe a couple of times. She was globetrotting, thinking about it. David, if you could be closer, you're you're my main generator, so or move the chemicals in. So anyway. Both Dovids are on the top of my screen. So, by the way, it's not that I don't notice uh, Sarla or Pinchas or I don't know how to say your name. It says User's iPhone. I don't know who User is. Rodi, I see for him and Sarla. Thank you all for being here. Um, you, you should know, you're making a huge difference for me um, to be able to generate this class. is huge. So, um, and hi, hi, David. <laughs> thank you. Did you hear me say that? Yeah. Thank you. So, so the, uh, so she's. After a while, she turns to me and she says, no, no advanced engineered structure on the planet before 6,000 years. And I said to her, well, don't you find that interesting? And she was like, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I never thought about it before. And it's very interesting. And then I explained to her that, you know, Adam had this, you know, there's this double creation. There was, you know, let us create man, poof. And then Later, which God knows how long later means before you have the count of days coming from earth or from Adam. Later is the soul blown into the nostrils. And that's, that begins the count the way we count. And um, anyway, she thought that was very interesting. And here's the kicker. You ready for this? This is a very secular lady. You know, I, I fall asleep. Um, When we got to New York, she asked for my number. I give him my phone number, my email. And um, three months later, I get an email from her saying, uh, my son's going to be bar mitzvah soon. That normally wouldn't mean anything in our family. But after our conversation, it means something to us now. And I was asking if you would officiate at his bar mitzvah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> from this lady who's like, Whoa. So, so it wound up being a full reach out connection experience, three months later, did not expect that. At all. You know, totally unexpected from the head of uh, paleontology in uh, Hebrew University. Mm. Reminding everybody about dosing certain things. Vitamin Vitamin C and D, you want thousands of vitamin C's a day. Thousands of milligrams. Um, that you, It will come out in your urine if you overdid it, and if you really overdo it, it's going to come out the other way. And, uh, um, and, and, the, uh, and vitamin D, which does require dosing, so meaning you need to look at the dose. Uh, our pack says one a day. Um, I'm going to find out today if you can do use two a day. I forget the milligrams on our package, um, but I have an expert who I'm going be speaking to. Um, but I've even seen things, and again, everyone's saying maybe these things are fake. I don't know, but I, I saw some pretty authoritative things. That, that one hospital was able to neutralize all symptoms of all the people afflicted with the coronavirus with, just by intravenously pumping them a vitamin C and giving them vitamin D. And they, they've been able to neutralize all symptoms within two days of, of starting with that. Not only that, but they said the entire staff is running around cheery and uh, energized in, the, in that particular hospital where, where they had discovered the power of vitamin C. Indeed. Anyway, but everyone should be doing that. Drinking hot drinks. Because um, the virus can't go from the throat to the lungs too well when you keep bathing your throat in, in uh, hot drinks. And, um, um, yeah, very good. Exercising. Um, and uh, I would suggest yoga and stuff like that because you're indoors now. Um, but keeping all your muscle tone with push-ups, sit-ups, things like that. And... Uh, yeah, there's a chance not to be in bad shape. Now there's a chance to be in top shape. And lastly is no junk food. No junk food. A lot of us are, are stuck. Gra- they call it grazing, by the way. When you keep going to your kitchen, you know, it's like a cow grazing. So they, they call that in the diet world. They call it grazing. It's very hard. You guys, I imagine, could nod right now if you would agree with me that it's a little hard not to graze right now. Um, to go into the kitchen and just start grazing on stuff. So, um, so I'm just reminding you. I've been grazing too, but what am I grazing on? I'm grazing on a tangerine. You know, I'm grazing on an apple. I'm grazing on dates. Go, go buy a big couple kilo thing of, of medjool dates, and uh, and get a bunch of walnuts or almonds, depending what your fancy is. And just check it for bugs in the light. Cut in half, pull out the pit, check it for bugs. Pop your nut inside and. And I put about I put two and a half walnuts per um, per date, and I eat about uh, I don't even know how many I eat a day. I see, Baruch Hashem, my my increase of the of my megabytes on on my um, router and the reset of my router seems to have done the job on keeping Zoom going, which was uh, you know freaking out my system. Anyway. But that was about our our physiological system is keeping ourselves in top-notch states. Also, joy is very important. And joy is achieved through various means. Uh, One of the most important is music. Okay? Rob Berkowitz, Roshiva Veshatora, just let us all know that it's not just family time, but it's music time. And uh, crank the music, get everyone dancing. We've had many dance moments in our house. And it's not at a it's not as a um, it's not callous because there are people people seriously suffering, but you want to see serious suffering is is lose the lose the basic level of joy, and you'll you'll see what suffering is all about. You got to keep your serotonin levels up. Uh, right now, especially without the daylight sunlight hitting us, for those who are spending a lot of time indoors. Um, one more. Okay. So, so the um, we're doing the thirteen attributes of mercy, which are from the crown of in Kabbalah. That's from the crown in the crown viruses, where the thir- the crown is where the Keter is where the thirteen attributes of mercy come down. Um, by the way, I never said this. For those who have been watching my other live feeds about the virus and the, the connection between the word, the, the, I meaning the whole point of creation and why this all happening, is. Um, I, one thing I didn't mention was that the 13 attributes of mercy. Remember, what I did say, those who listened, was that the, the, crown, the crown attribute of God is called, in, in character traits, is called ratzon, desire. Okay, which I had mentioned was in the numerical Diary three forty six. So that's the word desire. Mummy, you might want to hear this. The crown is is desire. It's ratzon, That's the attribute, and that's God creates the world. Meaning before the the actual ten spheros, which are you know das, we're before it gets there's the crown above it, and that's desire to have it. Just like you can't have a Brooklyn Bridge without the desire for people in Brooklyn, the desire of people in Brooklyn to get to Manhattan. You know that's what ultimately creates bridges, airplanes, clothing, and People, okay, everything comes from desire. Now, now, um, so so, but the, what's that have to do with the thirteen attributes of mercy? What's the connection of the thirteen attributes of mercy? Yeah, what's the what's the connection? So, the thirteen attributes of mercy, which we call out every um, Yom Kippur, those thirteen and uh, and during slichas and stuff. Which God said, like, this is the formula, man. You want forgiveness? Say these 13 attributes of mercy. So those 13 attributes of mercy, um, why they come from Keter is as follows. The reason is, is because the whole purpose of creation is that human beings would connect to the creator. You know, creator creates creation, scattered into, you know, the name of God, the one name of, oneness of God, gets scattered into physicality. And the whole point is for us not to get distracted by the physicality and to connect back to the oneness. That's the point of creation. That's what we're doing here. Now, what happens when human beings blow it off? What happens when people forget? What happens when people, and now we go back to Urquhart's, what happens when people have lost their way totally and are no longer clean to even have that connectivity happen? Because the point is connection. What do we do when we got scattered, or we just got scattered into all the illusion of creation, the physical illusion where the name is hidden. And we, what happens when we're stuck there and we've lost um, sight of that oneness? So what happens is we've blown the purpose of creation. Well, if you blew the purpose of creation, so then the creation would fold up and go bye-bye. It's just going to fold up and go back up into the oneness. Remember, this whole thing's only being created by let there be. That's what makes the world, you know. This is let there be. Vegetation upon the earth, this is let there be animals, this is wool, let there be animals upon the you know, upon upon the earth. You know, everything's made out of let there be, That's how God creates the world. He's shooting down light through these ten attributes, which are the ten were the ten utterances of our entire creation. And that's why you see there's mineral, vegetable, animal, and human in the creation story, that's the whole point, but the, but the whole point actually is the last day Shabbos, which is connection, the day of connection, and uh, um, I'm going to ask whoever reminded me before to remind me what I was talking about uh, in a minute, because I want to mention that David and I were talking, I totally misunderstood David Hirsch, but, uh, but what I would like to say is what I did get out of it, was something powerful, is that, Right now, the world's been brought to a halt. It's like too much Shabbos. You yes. understand, six days a week we work, and on the seventh day, everything comes to a halt. And we just put on the brakes on all doing to get back to the being, back to the one. And I, just to go back, I hope everyone understood that the connection of God's desire to make the creation and the attribute of mercy is that the whole creation would fall apart if it wasn't that we could mention that thing that, that fixing the, those th- th- 13 attributes and remind God not to cause the creation to fold, but rather to forgive us. Sorry I'm bouncing around so much. But that's why it's Hashem Hashem. We say Hashem's name twice. You heard me say it. I said Ado, and then again Ado, and said God's name twice. Why? Because it's I'm God. Remember that name refers to God being outside of time. I'm God before you sinned, and I'm God after you sinned. Like I'm a big boy here, you know? Like I get it. And then all the rest of the words have to do with how God's willing to have us just walk all over him. You know, he's willing to have us just walk all over him. You know, it's like, like, I mean, I know all of us think this would sound terrible, but it would be like using the, it'd be like using the Torah for tissue, you know, to clean yourself, you know, which sounds so horrible, like what a thing to say, but But that is what we're doing all the time. If all there really is, is just God creating the creation and all we're doing is just getting totally distracted at all times. So, so that's, that's ultimately where we're at. And, and so, and so God suffers that terrible. The reason I brought up that analogy is it's terrible disgrace, but he, he suffers disgrace with poise. You know, he's just like, well, there they go again, you know. There they are again, and he loves us too, you know. Like, meaning when, when like, for example, I don't know, uh, Reformed Jews show up on their Rosh Hashanah, you know, in their Cadillacs drive up Valley parking, you know, I, I, David Hirsch and I know a little bit about that that whole scene, you know. And uh, you know, the full fashion show arrives, but what happens in the end? God's there, I guess. He has a camera over the Ark in the in the gigantic temple. They call it a temple because there's no more temple in Jerusalem, and we're not waiting to rebuild it because that would be, you know, like. Not politically correct, so so they actually started calling their synagogues temples, and and there, there's like a big there's a big lens over the ark that has a perfect wide angle of the whole synagogue, yeah, the whole synagogue you can see it, and what happens is everyone poses, and God just goes, "Have a great year, guys," meaning he loves us, he's crazy about us. he's like he's like, oh, you want to you want to ignore me totally? All right. That'll do, you know, go for it. You know, maybe your kids will be into me, you know, maybe your grandkids, maybe your great grandkids, like, cause God's outside of time. You know, a lot of times when you wonder why God's so patient, well, the answer is the 13 attributes of mercy. But I just, you know, I thought about it, my own thoughts about it is that he's outside of time. So like, cause think about it when we're frustrated, when we do something stupid, it's like time away from God, so to speak. So we think like, how can God be so patient to be creating you put flowing those 10 utterances into creation. While we're like, you know, totally ignoring him. And the answer is is that well, I said the answer, it's the thirteen action music, but it's also mercy, but it's also that he's outside of space and time. And therefore that's not a long time. Like if you spent ten minutes doing something stupid, there's no time in reality. And so God's just like, Alright, yeah, you wanna do something stupid, okay. Knock yourself out. You know, I'll be I'll be there, waiting on the other side. Mercy, um, going back now to Shabbos and what David Hirsch and I were discussing is uh, is this, this this coronavirus has brought the world to a halt, and the world coming to a halt is like Shabbos because every week we you know we're driving like freight trains, we're producing, we're working, we're doing all the stuff we do and making our big mark, and now with modern technology you can make a hell of a mark in six days, and then bang, hits a wall, yeah. The wall shakes off all our devices and all our technology, and we jump over the wall into the purpose of all, the purpose of all creation, which is Shabbos. It, it literally says that. In fact, in our prayer, Shabbos night, the first thing we say is, Yom You sanctified this whole day, Shmecha to your name. That's back to Shmo, those were in my earlier classes. Tachlis my The tachlis, the absolute point of heaven and earth was for connection. Well, six days a week, okay. You got all. You had to go do your thing, and how are you going to feel Shabbos anyway, unless you did your thing? You know. And now you stopped and you rested, and now you feel God, and that's Shabbos. It's the right ratio, which is what I think David Hirsch was saying. Again, I misunderstand half of what David Hirsch says, but he's nodding. So, um, and it's not your fault, by the way, David Hirsch It's this thing. So he's a finance guy, and I'm I'm a uh, rabbi. So anyway, the. Um, so six days like works with the ratio of resting one of them. So for every seven days, one's rested on. Now, what has happened? Our whole world, our whole globe hit the wall and it's already been, uh, I, I don't know, I have no sense of time, so I, I have no idea how long it's been now, but I'm guessing that it's been a week or two. <laughs> that's, as, that's as accurate as I get with time, but I, I feel like it's been a week or two. Um, does anyone know how long it's been? Feel free to write on the chat if, if it's, uh, if it's been longer than a week or two. It's definitely been longer than a week, that I know. You know what I think it's been? I think it's been, I think this Friday will probably mark about two weeks of total shutting down of, of systems and stuff, but I don't know exactly. I'm just making that up. And, um, uh. Anyway, but it's too much. You see that the whole society is like falling apart. But wait a second. When society was going, it was too much. It was too much. That's what David was saying. When society was moving 24-7 with all that ability and globalization so that like, you know, like there's, there's just, we're not self-sufficient country by country, but it's become this village where we really need each other, which... We have not been, I mean, now Amazon, I mean, you'd never, if someone told you a month ago that Amazon's going to only be delivering essentials, you know, if someone told you that a month ago, you'd just be like, I don't think so. You yeah, know, that, that not, is not possible. And if that ever happened, it would be a, like a, it'd be, it would take a couple years of like a nuclear holocaust to get Amazon to stop. I mean, that place, they don't stop. Yeah. Well, they did stop. Now they're only delivering essentials and, um. And there's five. I saw in one news report that there's 500,000 less millionaires in uh, America now. Five. I mean, they just dropped off the millionaire chart like that. You know, matter of a week, two weeks. And the so it's too much. So it's too much either way. It's this is too much shabbos, and the other way is too much doing, too much distraction and so as I said and I've said it every day so God created a crown yeah because that's kingship and making God king as opposed to us king down here and all our doings and he's basically brought us all down to our knees by the way the word for desire the crown is is Ratzon 346 the same numerical value as Shmo which is what the purpose of creation is right Tachli Atta yomashvi the Shemecha yeah, that God created the whole world for his name. Yeah, and what does it say in prayers? Maybe goyel, he will bring a redemption, a redeemer. Why do we want redemption? Laman because his name's got scattered and we want to reunite it. Back to the oneness. And the word for knees, which means when you're in... When you humble yourself before God and fall to your knees, Christians still pray on their knees. Muslims do too before they go down on their face. We only do it on Rosh Hashanah on our knees and then to our, then down on our face. That's called Korim, which is the numerical value of 346, is when he draws the whole world down to their knees. When he draws the world down to their knees, so then, so then we can, um, then we can re- recognize back to the oneness. But this is like he's really brought the world down to its knees through this thing. And now the whole world's kind of waking up. You know, like as I was saying yesterday that Guatemala starts thinking, hmm, maybe we ought to export more than bananas in case of something like this where we are no longer able to take care of ourselves because we don't produce enough variety of stuff for our own nation. You know, I mean, you got to wonder when you're in Central America and you have to import food, You know that that should have been an obvious. um, That should have been real obvious. You know, if you're importing food in Central America, like something's wrong. Okay, you don't. You shouldn't be importing nothing if you live in Central America. I understand if you live in Siberia, you're importing, you know, sustainable goods, sustaining goods, but not not Central America. Anyway, um, so this is the great rest. You know, this is the plague of rest. (laughs) You know, the ten plagues and redemption, and we're all coming up to Pesach. And tonight, you know, as the sun sets behind me, you know, we're ushering in um, Rosh Chodesh and uh, the new month, which is now going to be a 15-day count to um, Passover. And this this countdown is is you know, this is all a redemption, a redemptive process we're in. And, uh, and and people can watch my, my last class that I taught um, I don't even know what today's date is uh, it was today March 25th by any chance so March 24th you can check that out that'll be on tour anytime although they may put a next date on it I don't know what they do and, uh, and or it was, you know, it was Tuesday that class uh, Facebook it's March 25th um, I spoke all about the um, about how Pesach the redemption, redemptive process works but uh, but we're ultimately coming to that. You know, I just want to share with you a little, a little like uh, something about my bedroom. Okay. Um, normally, you don't get to hear rabbis talk a lot about their bedroom, but I'm gonna just share a little something. Um, and that is that my wife and I talk a lot in our bedroom. <laughs> and one of the things we talk about a lot is is redemption. Like we talk a lot about it and we, the reason I married her was I said, I'm only going to marry the girl who doesn't say, can we talk about something like less deep, please, for at least 10 minutes. So I was going to marry the girl who would never, ever, ever say that. Okay. If someone was going to say that, they, they, they thought they were just like, can I have some oxygen from the depth of these conversations? They were thinking like, yeah, that's, that's like a fine request, isn't it? They had no idea that that meant it's over. So I found the girl who just wants to talk and talk and talk. And even though we just had our 25th wedding anniversary, we still talk all night. In fact, last night, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, we we didn't go all night. It was 3 in the morning and we were still talking. And so one of the things we talk a lot about is because we live quite spiritual lives. Any of you who visited me here in Jerusalem know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we live spiritual lives, like period. Like that's our life. It's a spiritual life. Not saying I don't shred on mountain bikes or surf or drink craft beer. I do that too. I'm still a physical human being, but life's very spiritual here, and the um, and to us that's reality. And so, like almost nothing's changed as a result of this virus. You know, I mean everything's changed, but in a way nothing has because the stuff that was important to us has not been affected. You know, we're still learning Torah. We're still praying all the time. We're still connecting to one another in our family, you know. We're like, you know, we're still blessing the meals and the foods and the, you know, like like the the what's real and eternal has not been touched by this. I mean, it's in a way, it's all we have left. And I pity people that that don't have that connection right now because, gosh, I, I mean, I can't even get in their mindset really. But all I can say is is that I imagine it's it's really really difficult to have a subscribe to a philosophy that the world's meaningless, which is, you know, basic, you know, millennial deconstructionist philosophy. You know, the world's basically meaningless. and Nothing means anything. And boy, could be a boy, could be a girl. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. You know? Nothing means anything. You know? And now we have this terrible virus. Oh, no. You know, like, for example, an observant Jew, you know, I forget the name of the rabbi, I heard this, in an observant Jew, when his wife's, you know, chewing his ear off, you know, he doesn't say, "Oh wow, I must have made a mistake." He says, "What is God saying to me right now? Like, why do I have to hear these messages? Like, what's this? What's this all about?" Whereas, you know, I, I imagine the average secular guy is just like, just like, you know, you blew it. Like, you just like you you made the biggest mistake of your life, having blown this decision of who to marry. You know, because she's just thrashing you. You know, and and. Women have a way of doing that to us. But the, the observant Jew is not saying, oh, she's the problem. What we have is there's a problem. That's a stimulus. And then we immediately go back up. We look up. What, what's the what's lesson here? What are you trying to say? We know this world's meaningful. It's not meaningless. So the millennial meaninglessness is going to really be a difficult deal. Ascribing to that as a, as a worldview is going to be really difficult during a crisis like this. You understand? That's that's just going to be that's going to make this crisis ten times worse, and not to mention the fact that so much was taken away, whether it be money or whether it be jobs or whether it be, um, meaning money in, in investment, stock trade, real estate, or in jobs themselves, losing jobs, um, whether it be uh, sports or other events that people go to. Like it's all been taken away, and and. That uh, that's what I was saying before is our meaningless our meaningful lives haven't been changed at all because we believe that nothing happens without meaning behind it. Now it did take a while. I'll admit, like all of most of last week and the week before that, since I heard about the coronavirus, people kept asking like over and over again. I'm getting these WhatsApps saying like, "What's this all about? What's this all about? What's this all about? What's this all about?" This all about? And I was just like, "I don't know," you know, like I needed a warning, you know. And a little warning to be able to say what this is all about. I didn't know what to say. And then all of a sudden started hitting, and hitting, and hitting, and hitting. And, and all of those things that hit me were coming from the very basis of our worldview is that things aren't meaningless. You understand? Nothing. Things mean things, especially big stuff. You know, little stuff means stuff. Big stuff means stuff. Global stuff really means stuff and you know and by no coincidence it's talking about Corona you know it's the crown which is the word for crown it's in the shape of a crown I've been meditating I've literally done meditations already on the shape of that circle with the thing sticking out um I haven't come to much yet my wife had one idea it's kind of like the the earth with these skyscrapers coming off you know uh, uh, or people standing on You know, the ego sticking out of the circle I don't know. but the um yeah it's it, this is a deeply meaningful time a deeply meaningful time and 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 no this isn't random you know there's nothing random and, and notice the randomness of of uh, notice the randomness of, uh, of micro the way we look at microscopic things that just kind of spread contagiously like we look at that so randomly as if God's like can't handle this one but again it was from Passover that that the when uh, the Pharaoh's sorcerers were copying Moses' tricks that were supposed to like legitimize Moses, they kept copying him. So when he finally threw up dust that became lice, the the sorcerers said, "Well, that's too small. Like we need a little more substance to create our miracles out of something." And so their words were That's the finger of God. There, we'll be mentioning that seder night. So, in other words, the Torah is telling us when something's that tiny, to know that's the finger of God. Now, there is a bit of an argument between the more Kabbalistic types and the less Kabbalistic types, although they're, both sides have have their sides. They switch sides a bit. But that, um, that, that when there's plague, it stops distinguishing between the righteous and the wicked. I don't like hearing that very much. Um, not that I wouldn't necessarily list myself amongst the righteous, but but there, there's a side to say that, that plagues no um, plagues cause people to lose what's called hachshapa quartism, meaning their their um, the su- God's supervision of individuals, and you get moved into a new category called a klalis, general. Uh, in fact, the Vilna Gom brings this up on Rosh Hashanah. He asks a great question. He says, "How could it be if you're blessed on Rosh Hashanah to live for the year? Why is it that the Torah says for?" Four things you're allowed to go home from the battlefield. One is meaning because you might die. If you got married that year, I'm sorry, if you got engaged but never had the marriage. If you uh, planted a vineyard and never consecrated the the grapes. If you um, built a house but never lived in it. Or um, and the fourth one is uh, if you're just afraid. You know, like you're gonna die. So you know you're gonna you're gonna wind up melting the hearts of your fellow soldiers. So go home and live. You know. So the the question he asks is if you were if it says you're gonna live. On Rosh Hashanah, if that was your decree, so you're going to live on the battlefield. If it said you're going to die, you're going to die at home. So, what good is sending people home who have this issue? And so the answer is that um, says the Vilna Again, this is a, there's an argument about this a bit from other Kabbalists, but but and he, by the way, he's a Kabbalist, so he you would think he's be on the more Hasidic Kabbalistic side uh, for this. But he says that once you join the army, meaning once you're in the group, the klal. Yeah? You lose your blessing. Your Rosh Hashanah may have said you're going to live, but that's gone now. You're, going, you're now part of the group. And if God needs to harvest some of the Jewish souls from the physical world back to the world of souls, which is right above here, if God's going to harvest, uh, you can say it out What's up? Oh, we're doing O'mal Uh We're moving to O'mal Shemaim. Anyway, um, that means we're, we're about to say Shema Yisrael as an entire community. So I'm going to sign off now and go do that. We'll speak more tomorrow. Love to everybody. Click on what you should click on. Um, please, um, you know, follow, share, whatever you got to do on there. Uh, and join my club on com. Okay, blessings to everybody. Shall you we... hit finish and then, and then share. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.